often on Saturday night, the phone would ring in our home when Cindy and I were young married adults. I can remember it ringing because it would always ring late at night on Saturday night in preparation for heading to church at First Southern Baptist Church in Dale City, Oklahoma. And when the phone rang, on the other end was somebody I loved and cared about. And yet, anger had become his answer. Confusion had become his call. Desperation had become his direction. And as a result, in those late night calls, he would call. And on that phone, and this is way before wireless phones and way before cell phones, we had a wired phone, and we would put that phone in on the pillow, and we would listen. We would hear things that we would never want to hear again. Every word piercing, every word painful. And the sad reality was it was my own brother. My brother died many years ago. Today's his birthday. And I've been reflecting on those moments because I can remember so vividly. Every time I would begin to say something, my precious young wife would look at me with her finger and do just like this. How I thank God I did not say something I regretted. Because later on, that same brother, while listening to the preaching of one of our members, who has understood the question, who will God send? Later on, that brother came to know Jesus. Now, I had no idea that he'd end up fighting a battle with cancer. But it's interesting because our phone never rang again with vile words. Our phone never rang again with some statements that obviously were not true. But I can remember during that season, I would ask myself all the time, Lord, how long will you wait? How long will you wait until you answer this prayer? Maybe you've been there as well. Maybe you've been at times where you thought, man, I just need the answer now. Yesterday I was looking at Facebook and I ran across an article from Roger Breland who, who uh, founded Truth, a music group from another era. It's interesting what he wrote, what he wrote on his post yesterday. Listen to what he said. When the answer finally came, I had waited 12 years. I had prayed almost every day. God was not late. It just took 12 years to get me ready. My next answer came after 20 years of praying. On some days, I was really sad and maybe confused, but I kept on praying. By the time the answer arrived 20 years later, I realized the time I had spent with him was far more precious than anything I could ask him for. Maybe today you're on a journey of praying and waiting, asking and not receiving. My journey has brought me to a different place in life. Much that I have asked for I did not need or deserve. Someday I watch students struggle with things they think will change their lives. Many struggle with what others think about them. To be honest, life is too short and most people are too busy struggling with their own situations and lack the time to worry about you and me. Most people in the audience do not remember who sang the solo by the time the concert's over. But let me suggest something that will be completely fulfilling and bring about real attention if it is desired. The world watches you quietly walking with Jesus. This may be the loudest song you will ever sing or play, for the world will hear you as they listen with their eyes how will they see Jesus in you today? When I read those words, I thought, what, what a powerful reflection on waiting. And you know, waiting is the most difficult thing we do. 
Have you ever been at a traffic light and just waiting for it to turn green got you? Have you ever been at a traffic light and you sat there saying, you know what, my light didn't turn green and they got to turn before me? And you start thinking about all those different things. Waiting is not easy, but it's always wise. And when it comes to 2020 vision, when we get to Isaiah chapter 6, we come to the most mesmerizing story of a man who was captured by a vision because he saw God. And what I want you to see today as you think about your own journey of faith, you can see a lot of things, but ultimately you need to see Jesus because without him, everything else will always be confusing. And so as a result, you find yourself in a passage of scripture where as you look at it, you realize something. Here is that moment. Here is that moment where Isaiah comes face to face with God. And that encounter so changes the way he looks at life, so changes his perspective that it puts him in motion to take on an assignment that challenges the very being of who he is. And what I want you to see today is this. In this age of shifting sand and cultural malaise and doubting faith and challenging circumstances and overwhelming fears, it is time for us to wait on God and let him speak and let him guide us. And so today, your vision for life will be defined in your capacity to wait. Because what you'll discover is that when all of a sudden we find Isaiah asking a question, something totally captures him. Today we look at a passage where you see something happen that is only shown here in all the Bible. Because here you see these fiery angelic beings who show up with six wings and they show up to make a declaration. Today we look inside of what it means when you really look at yourself. I was reading a book last night that interesting book because the premise of the book is everybody needs to discover who they really are. And it's an interesting premise because our perception at times of who we are and the reality can be two different things. And until you know who you are, watch this, until you know who you are, you don't know which way to go. And if you don't know which way to go, it's really hard to wait because you find yourself caught up in your circumstances, caught up in your situation, caught up in your pain, caught up in the perplexity of the hour, caught up in wanting something quicker than God intended. And so today, as you think about that, I want you to grab hold of this passage. And I want you to look at a few verses first, and then we're going to look at several of the verses so we can make sure we don't miss it. Notice, if you would, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 4, and notice, notice the declaration that Isaiah makes. Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment, he sees something he has never seen before. And his first thought is, I am unclean. You can imagine how overwhelming it was to him to see the Lord. But then it gets even more interesting. Look what happened, because all of a sudden, in verse 8, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Can you imagine when you hear God say, I want you, how defining that is? But he asked the question, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Who will represent who we are? And listen carefully. 
This is a day in which people need to see Jesus in us. They need to see how we live, what we live for, what motivates us, what challenges us, what equips us, what takes us to where only he can take us. Then you find him in one other verse here, if you would. Look on over in this text. Then we're going to come back and read it and make sure we don't miss it. Look, if you would, verse 11. In just the very beginning part of that, of that question, because he, he makes, after he hears what it is he's supposed to do, then I said, Lord, how long? And it's interesting because he really asks this question in two reflective points. One is, I've waited this long to be able to experience what it is God has for me. But also the other side, okay, this assignment you're giving me, how long have I got to do it? And what you discover is, watch this carefully, when his hand rests on you, he never takes it off because his assignment is for a lifetime. You see, our encounter with God is not a momentary encounter that just gives us fire insurance for eternity. Our encounter with God allows us to be able to experience how life is supposed to work. You show me somebody who wants a great marriage. I'll show you somebody who better listen to what it is God says. Show me somebody who wants to have a great life. You better find somebody who's willing to listen and realize it's a long-haul journey. A long-haul journey. And so today, let's begin reading. We're getting verse 1, and let's just see what transpires here because I want you to see something that maybe you missed as you look at this text because here's a very powerful story. Verse 1, Isaiah chapter 6. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw... Don't miss that line. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with a train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filled, filling with smoke. Then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongues. He touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away. And watch this, don't miss this phrase. Your sin is forgiven. So you've got to see this. You can't miss this. Because what you're going to discover is the key to waiting is understanding forgiveness. Because forgiveness gets you where he wants you to go. Look on with me if you would. Verse 8, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here am I, send me. He said, go and tell this people, keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull, and their eyes dim. Otherwise, otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, and he goes through, until cities are devastated and without inhabitants. Houses are without people, and the land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away, and they, the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land." Yet there will be a tenth portion in it, and it will again be subject to burning. Like a terebinth or an oak, whose stump remains when it's felled, the holy seed is its stump. When you read this, you immediately go, oh, wow, what what happens here? Because really, it's two chapters of one life story. This is the moment in which all of a sudden, Isaiah comes to the place 
where his encounter with God, watch this, his encounter with God allows him to learn how to experience holiness. And what I want you to see today is this. To the degree that we grasp holiness, to that degree do we understand how to become effective. Because as we become holy, as we become set apart, as we become removing things out of our world that cost us something, it's there that God begins to work inside of us. It's there that he begins to do something in us that only he can do. And so today, I want you to ask yourself this question. You're sitting at home and you've been living your life, you've been doing your job, you have everything going on, all of a sudden God shows up. Shows up. And maybe some seraphim show up as well. And he shows up and you, and you look and you realize these fiery angelic beings are, are saying something. Holy, holy, holy. The first thing you do is turn your TV off, don't you? You don't want to see, you don't want to see what you're watching, so you click that remote quickly. The next thing you do is you sign off on Facebook and Twitter and everything else because you don't want to see his post. You don't want, you want to see your posting. Then, then you look at yourself in the mirror and go, ooh, I better do some of this hair. It don't look too good. Then you look around your house and you realize something. The last time you cleaned it up was your last payday. And it's been a long time. And all of a sudden you realize the house needs to be clean. You see, the reality is this. He wants to visit our lives. And he wants us to encounter him for who he is. And today I want to just cause you to think about in your own life. I want you to just think about two distinctive, very vibrant dynamics in life. And that is, what kind of encounter do you have with God? And when you have an encounter with him, what does it do? What kind of impact does it have? If I were to ask you today to tell me who you've met in life that you would say that is a holy man or woman, you would immediately think of people whose lives exemplified holiness, who you never worried about what they were thinking or what they would do, what choices they would make, what decisions they would arrive at, because you knew they would hear from God. They would hear him speak. Today I want to ask you, what would it be like if you were that person? That today was a day you never dreamed would happen. But today, while you're sitting in the church, all of a sudden you begin to realize something, that you're about to have an encounter. And that encounter will shape the rest of your life. That shaping will cause you to look at everything through a different lens. You'll begin to ponder, should I do that? Should I make that choice? You'll begin to ponder, did I say that the right way? Did I say it seasoned with grace? You see, the truth of the matter is, if we are really, really connected to what holiness is about, you learn things from the Bible that are very powerful. For example, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says this, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that may minister grace unto the hearers. Can you imagine, in fact, he goes on to say, in the time of need. Can you imagine what it would be like if everything we said was so seasoned with grace that people saw holiness in us. And they realized that we were not reflective of our own perception, but we were reflective of our faithful God. And so today I want to challenge you to look at two things that will cause you to go out of church going, you know what, that's what I want to have in life. Because I'm going to tell you this, life is too short to miss your encounter. Too short. You see, on that same night, that brother of mine who cursed me at one moment and gave his heart to Christ at another on that same weekend, our mother came to Jesus too. 
And you've got to realize that, that that moment, that moment changed everything because she came face to face with an encounter. And it's interesting. My mother refused God for so long because the only thing she ever saw about God was rules and regulations and how much she did not measure up. And listen carefully. You don't need a measuring stick when it comes to God. He is the one who looks at your heart, not somebody else. Amen? Amen? And so, so what we've got to do today is look inside of our own heart and encounter God in a way that maybe we never had before. Because you'll discover something today. When that seraphim touches his lips and looks at him, you're forgiven. Can you imagine how free he felt? So free to do what it is God called him to do. Listen carefully. The only bondage that costs anybody who knows him anything is allowing anything unholy to enter into our world that steals what it is God intended. And so today, we declare to the thief, you no longer have territory in the lives of those who claim your name. We no longer allow you to end up coming into somebody's life and causing them all kinds of heartache. Instead, we say, Lord, let you be everything. That's what happened to Isaiah. Isaiah saw the Lord, the Bible says. And today I want you to see what it means to encounter God because there are three things I want you to see related to this entire encounter. The first thing is the vision that transformed his life. Because the Bible says he saw something he'd never seen before. And when he saw it, something began to happen. It began to happen inside of who he is. I want to ask you, when's the last time you saw something that absolutely transformed who you are? You see, the reality is, when you begin to allow him to be everything, you'll begin to see him in a different light, and he'll transform the way you live. And he saw this vision. He saw, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Now, obviously, the vision gets more, more overwhelming because he said not only is he exalted and sitting on a throne, but the seraphim stood above him. And, and one was calling out saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And notice what he says here. You can't miss this. The phrase. Notice what they say, what the seraphim say. Verse 3, the whole earth is full of his glory. And I want you to see this and not miss it. Everything we do is connected to glorifying God. Everything we do. Because when we do that, then we have the right kind of vision. We have the right kind of opportunity. And what I want to, see to, I want to challenge you today is think about in your own life, what kind of vision do you have for life? What is it that holds you back? What keeps you from being transformed? What sets you apart to be able to accomplish this purpose? What speaks to who you are? And please don't look at your credentials on the backside of your journey and say, well, I could have, I would have, I should have, but I didn't. Don't live that way. Think about your day-to-day. Think about what it is that God can do. I was reading a mesmerizing story just of one, one ministry they started with some college kids many years ago called InterVarsity. I was reading the story of the transforming impact that happened when some college students decided that the Bible was still real, that lives could be changed. And listen carefully. When this book becomes irrelevant, we miss the opportunity to understand what holiness is all about, and we miss the opportunity to see a vision that comes from God. Because inside of this book, it is here that he speaks and reveals himself in the most vivid and amazing way. My question is, if this is the key, how often do you hold it? How often do you hold it? So first of all, he has this vision that transforms the way he looks at life. But then look on, though. Then he hears a voice that is like no other voice that he's ever heard before. The voice was so distinctive that it stood out. That voice was so mesmerizing 
that it caused Isaiah to say one thing, woe is me. He heard as the angels declared. Do you have any idea when you think about what he heard when all of a sudden the voice of the Lord said to him, whom shall I send? And listen carefully. You want to hear his voice? Listen for the distinctive voice of God. It's not caught up with the clamor in our culture. It's not caught up with trying to fit into everything. It's all of a sudden saying, God, speak to me. I want to hear you in the midst of what it is I'm going through. I want to know you are with me. And that distinctive voice, listen carefully, that distinctive voice will not only call you, it will guide you. And as it guides you, it will motivate you. And as it motivates you, something will begin to happen inside of you, and you'll realize, I don't want to miss anything that God has for me. So my challenge for you today is to think about your own journey of faith and ask yourself a question. What voices are you listening to? I mean, there are lots of voices out there. Every week I get someone sending me a a message asking me about so-and-so and and -and so-and-so. Is there any question you have about them? And what they're really saying is we're hearing all these voices. We're hearing all these different voices. Listen carefully. There is a voice so distinctive that it drowns out every other voice on earth. And it is that whispering voice of God who speaks to us even in the night watches, who comforts our hearts and guides us, who grabs hold of us. How I thank God. How I thank God for a moment in Bible school, for a moment in the midst of a physical crisis, for a moment in which God became everything to me. It was the same voice calling, calling, calling. And what I want you to see today is that there is a voice calling your name. Not only does he know your name, he knows everything about you. And you may be sitting there saying, you know what, I don't want that kind of encounter. Well, you better get ready. Because he is going to encounter you in a way you never dreamed. He hears his voice. And it's so distinctive that it caused him to go, wow. But look on, though. Because not only was there this vision that he had and a voice that he heard, but you also see very quickly that he gets to experience victory. The victory that comes through forgiveness. And we come today in a day in which forgiveness is not even understood in our culture. We let people get by with things. But to understand forgiveness, to literally let go and allow God to be everything, it's hard for us to do. For Isaiah, he comes this moment where as the seraphim touches his lips, he says to him so clearly, look at it again, verse 7. Behold, excuse me, behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. If you're here today, and you have something that keeps you from being where he wants you to be, he can take anything. What is iniquity? It's something that separates, isn't it? It's our choice above God's choice, and he can take all that iniquity, move it out, and forgive you. In fact, I want to tell you so clearly you can't miss it. You see, the reality is an encounter with Jesus is not something that's just so momentary that you say a little simple prayer. It's actually an encounter in which God starts knocking on your heart's door. And he starts knocking and he starts saying to you, I love you beyond anything you've ever done. I love you so much that I'm going to meet you where you are and take you places you never dreamed you could go. In fact, he says it in such a way that he, that he loved the whole world. And he wants to make sure we don't miss that. And you ask yourself the question, how do we get our iniquity forgiven? It's Jesus on the cross who becomes our answer. And him on the cross and coming out of the grave 
He is our signal that we can be forgiven. And if you're here today and you're weighted down by something, in fact, maybe you're weighted down by a culture that says you don't need a personal relationship. Maybe you have heard and been so mesmerized by what it is you're hearing that you just think it takes intellectual assent. Listen carefully. Many people will miss heaven because the only thing they listen to was their own mind and they miss their heart. You don't want to miss your heart because here he says, forgiven. Isn't it an amazing thought? Don't you love that when you know somebody completely forgives you? You ever done the wrong thing? You can be honest. I can be honest. We may have done the wrong thing today. And the reality is, aren't you glad that you're forgiven? Aren't you glad that God's with you? And the truth of the matter is today, I want you to not miss this. The reason I'm focusing on this so clearly is if you don't understand forgiveness, you'll never grasp faith. And if you don't understand faith, you'll never have a life that God intended. But if you get a hold of forgiveness and you understand it, you see, it doesn't matter what age you are. If you're a young adult sitting in this building and you realize that, hey, you know what? If I could be forgiven of everything I've done, then my life would change forever. Would that not be the most amazing thing? And there's a principle that I want you to see out of this entire encounter with God that I don't want you to miss. Because when you look at it, it's this way. As we see the condition of our hearts, in other words, when we begin to see ourselves the way God intended, and then we begin to see God, all of a sudden we begin to understand redemption. In other words, it's only when we really see our hearts that we understand what it means to be forgiven. You see, for my brother, a beer can was more important than a lesson that would change his life forever until he looked inside and saw the condition of his heart. My brother got cancer when he was 34 years old. He had smoked, drank, he had made a lot of bad choices. But it's interesting because when he got sick, you know who he, he reached out to? He reached out to my wife. And he reached out to her. And it's interesting what he would say. My brother only said a few words in life. He was very quiet. I will say this. I, will, I do want to point out one thing he said that was really powerful. We took our daughter's former boyfriend home with us one Thanksgiving. Former, by the way. Not her current husband. We took him home. We're going to edit this out of the tape so it won't go anywhere where the people would ever hear it. But um, aren't we, Eddie? Um, but we took this guy home. And bottom line is, it was not a good visit. And so my brother, my brother, like I said, he probably said 40 words in his lifetime. And uh, my brother, he, he walked up to me and he said, hey, can I say something? I'm thinking, absolutely. Hadn't heard anything in 12 years. Speak up. And he looked at me and said, and it's interesting what he said. That boy, he's not for her. Thanks for letting me say it. And he walked on. Well, I got in the car. We were driving from Fort Smith to Little Rock after that. And the whole time I was driving, the only thing I could think was, that boy is not for her. <laughs> Nothing else. It was like a vision from God. And I'll never forget this because that very weekend, my daughter broke up with that boy. What's interesting because that same season of time, I had met Elliot. Met him at church at First Baptist Atlanta. So my daughter, my daughter, by the way, just to give you, make it real personal, my daughter 
she's weeping in my arms because she broke up with this boy. And have you, ever, have you ever hugged somebody and they're weeping and you're going, pray God in heaven that something good has happened? <laughs> you ever done that? I was, I was coming and I said, oh, sweet Ashley, I love you so much. Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it was like a moment from heaven. I'll never forget, two days passed. Two days passed, the morning season. By the way, it was very short, thank God. Because if she was mourning, I was rejoicing. It's kind of hard to mix that up in the same house. But um, two days later, we're sitting in, in uh, my wife's little office area and my daughter sitting on the step. And, and, you know, and she's, still, she's still troubled by what's transpired. But I looked at her and said, I'm going to tell you something. This is your dad speaking. I realize your heart's broken. I realize that all the things you felt, but I'm going to just tell it to you real clear. If Elliot Usher asks you out, you go. Well, let me just say this. After 10 years of marriage, I had a divine revelation that they were supposed to be together. And thank God they have a wonderful marriage, and they brought two wonderful grandchildren into our lives as well. And when I think about that, I think about these moments God gives us where he says it so clearly, but we miss it. Because we're afraid we might hurt somebody's feelings. We're afraid we might miss it ourselves. Listen carefully. As you encounter the condition of your heart, let God do something. Let God do something only he can do. And when you do that, something will begin to happen because when you get to verse 8, something changes about his world. He begins to experience holiness because God asked him a question. In fact, look at it with me if you would because as you see it, in verse 8 he says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? I mean, when you look at that, you realize something. God asked a specific question that defined his assignment in life. And I hear people oftentimes who struggle with what it is God wants to do. Listen carefully. He will ask you a question that allows you to be able to answer it affirmatively. You just have to be willing to say yes. And what he does is he gives, him, gives Isaiah the choice. Who, who's going to go? Now, obviously, God knew that Isaiah would do this, but he gave him that choice to be able to say, you know what, that's where I'm going to do. I am going to go there. I want to ask you, what would it be like if you did everything God wanted you to do today only? I'll tell you what would happen. You'd see somebody hurting, you'd help them. You'd find somebody needing prayer, and you'd pray. You wouldn't do that typical thing, I'll pray for you. You'd stop and intercede for them. Listen carefully. And I want to give you this rule. It works at one heart every single Sunday. It doesn't matter when it is. If somebody walks up to you and says they're hurting and their life is in trouble and they're working, walking, trying try to walk through something, don't look at them and say, I'll pray for you. You don't say, let's pray. It's, it's different between what happens there. Because let me tell you what happened. When you say it, you won't forget it. But if you only indicate an intent... You may miss your assignment. And so I want to encourage you today. If you meet somebody who says, I, got, I need prayer. I need to pray for me. My world's falling apart. I don't have an answer. You stop right then. Because this, carefully, what you're praying about is a whole lot more important than what you're thinking about. You may be thinking about lunch when church is over, but if somebody walked by and there's, they're in their eyes, you see something, you stop. Say, can I help you? Can I encourage you? Can I be a blessing to you? Why do you think I stand out in this foyer until everybody's gone on Sunday? Because you never know. It was a Sunday on Easter. That sweet little Stephanie over here came walking up to me. Only God knew she was there. But I'll never forget the tears that rolled down her little cheek. Because she heard one clear word. And that is, God loved her. And so today I want you to think about what happens when all of a sudden you get asked a question. And you know, we don't like questions, do we? 
I mean, we'd much prefer not even ask questions. We'd rather make statements, wouldn't we? Like, I'm hungry, versus what are we eating? We like to make statements that kind of push things forward. And the truth of the matter is, I want you to see this and don't miss it. There are times when God asks us questions that only we can answer. We can't miss it. You see, it took three years for a man to ask me the question every week for three years before I said yes. But when I heard God's voice through the heart of somebody who loved him, all of a sudden I realized that was the voice and that was the question I needed to answer. So today, I'm asking you a question. When you look at your own journey, will he send you? Who will go for him? You see what you really discover is? He's always sending us somewhere. It may be at Publix. It may be at a restaurant. It may be out in our neighborhood. He's always sending us somewhere. Even last night. Last night I was walking our dog and the rain started coming. All of a sudden a little, little flash shower. So I was standing under a tree. I'm not sure that was very smart. But I was standing under this tree. <laughs> so I don't want to get wet, you know. And so it's really funny. I'm standing under the tree and the dog's sitting out in the rain enjoying it. On the leash. I kept saying, Chloe, come back over here. Where it's, and you know what? She's smarter than I am. She knows lightning hits the tree. She'll be out there running home to see mama. You know, it's a big difference there. But anyway, a lady walked by. A lady walked by who I have been witnessing to for years. Lives in our neighborhood. She walks by and she just glances at me and she said, I really like that new building you got. And kept on moving. Well, I was thinking, you know what? She's going to come in here one of these days. If you're here today, by the way, I love you. But the truth is, you never know what kind of light you're going to send to somebody, what kind of impact. So he asked, God asked the question, whom shall I send? Then look on, though. Not only that, look if you would at verse 8 and see what, else, what he says here. Then I said, here am I, send me. You see, he made a commitment that directed his entire pursuit. He just said, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to go. This is what I'm going to say. And he made that commitment, and God did something inside of him. What I want you to see today is this. When you hear God speak, don't say, come back next week. <laughs> don't say, Lord, you know what? I appreciate the request, but I'm very busy right now. Could you make an appointment with me when life's better? You see, the truth of the matter is, he said these words, here am I, Lord, send me. And I'm going to tell you what we need in one heart and more, here am I, send me, people. More people who just say, you know what? I'm willing to go. And you know, what's interesting is, I'm not talking about going across the world. I'm talking about going next door. And whether it's blessing somebody at the Atlanta Crisis Pregnancy Center, or whether it's blessing somebody through North Cross Cooperative Ministries, or whether it's blessing somebody at Big Oak Ranch, or whether it's blessing somebody through Connection 1040, or whether it's blessing somebody at Ladies of Gilgal, whatever it is, we just need to learn how to say, here am I, send me, instead of passing the buck to somebody else and, hey, you do it. You do it. I listened, I listened this week to one of the most mesmerizing stories I've ever heard about forgiveness. And I'm not going to tell the whole story, but I'm going to tell you what, what grabbed me the most was this person who'd spent their life working in the church, found themselves at the crossroads of their journey, the crossroads of their spiritual journey. And at that crossroads, when on the brink of walking away never to return, found herself in a church that she had worked at and was working at at that time, sat down for a moment to worship, 
and looked in the mirror. I mean, looked in the window of the door. And there was a gentleman doing like this. And the gentleman got her outside as she walked out of worship into that hallway. And the gentleman said, the pencils aren't sharpened. And she, she looked and said, well, there's a sharpener available right there. And it's interesting what he said. He looked at her and said, that's not, your job. That's not my job, that's yours. And listen carefully. If we've got to sharpen your pencil for you, then you're in the wrong place. Because if you aren't sharp enough in your heart to do what it is God's called you to do and not have somebody come along, pat you on the back, say, oh, wait, hang in there, hang in. Listen carefully. It's time to grow up and be who God intends for us to be. When I heard that story, the great part of the whole story is that God visited her heart. I'm going to tell that part of the story at some other point because God visited her heart in a way that changed my whole week, changed my whole week. And what you discover is you just got to be willing to ask the right question. And you got to be willing to answer the right way. One final thing I want you to see here. You'll notice that in verses 9 and 10, he said, he said go. And you ought, to, you ought to circle the word go there because it's interesting what he said. He, t- he, never, he never paid any of us and never called on any of us to sit and soak. He said, go, 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 go. Go. Don't you love it when you, when you hear that? Go. And that, that distinctive word says get something done. And listen carefully. Life's too short to sit around wondering about it. You got to go. You got to do what it is you're supposed to do. Go. I'll tell you what you discover. You don't know how to go. You have a better life. Because when you start going, something begins to happen. Go, go, go. What he really says here is real clear. He gives instructions that challenges life forever. And you know, when you look at it, he said, you, you got to be willing. You got you to keep, they're going to keep on listening. They're not going to proceed. Verse 9, keep on looking. They're not going to understand. They're going to, hearts are going to become insensitive. Their ears dull, their eyes dim. Otherwise, they might see. And here's what he was saying. They aren't going to get it, but you keep telling them. You keep telling them. I'm going to tell you, not everybody gets it every time I speak. In fact, many probably don't. But I hope that somebody gets it. See, I hope today you hear me saying to you, go. I hope you hear me saying forgiveness is amazing. I hope you hear me saying that this is the day of salvation, not another day. You see, when you look at this, you, really, you realize something. That what happened to Isaiah, he encountered holiness. And I want to share this principle with you that I hope will help you. Because as we encounter holiness, God begins to do something inside of us. And as, as we encounter it, we begin to get a new perspective about how the life of holiness and obedience really works. In fact, when you look at it, all of a sudden, he reali- you realize that when you encounter holiness you begin to see that life really does revolve around him, not you. You know, it's hard for some people to accept that. Some people are more concerned about their car being clean than their heart being clean. Some people would rather their yard be manicured than their life be transformed. Some people will live hanging on to what they have. Others will give it all away. It's all in how you look at it. It's all in how you look at the condition of your heart and how you encounter him. Because when you encounter holiness, something begins to happen. And then you come to this very significant key question. And we finish with this. Because he asked the question, Lord, if you look at it again, verse 11, how long? And maybe you're here and your well is dry. And your lips are parched. And your heart is burdened and you're thinking, I can't do it anymore. And all of a sudden you hear the Lord say, keep going. 
He asked the question, Lord, how long? And I got to pondering that. In fact, in my mind, I began to ponder it weeks ago. Because he asked this question, he goes on and he says, the Lord says, until everybody gets what it is I have to say. And aren't you grateful that the Lord's tarrying so more could come to know him? In this crazy world we live in, aren't you glad that you're sitting in his house being able to worship freely and experience who he is as a God who speaks to our hearts and lives? You see, the reality is, he asked the question, how long? And how long? Long enough, first of all, to accept his purpose for your life. That's how long. Long enough to see what it is God has for you. But not just long enough for that. But long enough to see his hand at work in your life. How I thank God. My wife and I had the privilege of having dinner this week with uh, three of her cousins from a part of the family we have very few encounters with over all these years. And it was such a wonderful time. Let me tell you why. They began to ask questions. And we began to reflect on his hand at work in all of our lives. Because the truth of the matter is, the only testimony any of us have is what it is God's done. And what it is he's done through us. We thank him that his hand can rest on our life. Long enough to discover his purpose, long enough to see his hand at work, and long enough, watch this, to trust him completely. And you know what? For some people, it takes a lifetime. I heard just recently the story of a man who was on the edge of eternity, and at that edge, he said yes. Here's what I want to say to you today. Why wait for the edge when you can be in the middle of the road? Why wait to the end while you can live out the story? Today you may be here, and here's what you discover. How long are you going to wait? In fact, the question really is this. How long will you wait? Maybe you hear God saying to you, take your heart and give it to me. If you're here and you want to do that, we want to help you personally encounter what it means to know Jesus. I want to challenge you to think about it. Don't leave this house without thinking about what could happen if Jesus became everything. Then you may be here and you realize something. He's been speaking to your heart about being a part of our family. And today is the day that he speaks to you to say yes. Whatever it is you hear him saying. The real question is, how long will you wait? For today is the day of salvation. Today is the acceptable hour. Today is your moment. Let's pray together. Father, we bless you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your word that grabs hold of who we are, takes us places we never dreamed possible. And I think about in this very room, there could be young adults who realize that the next step of their journey is following you. There could be couples here that have been married long enough to know that you're the answer, who need to invest themselves in this place and help this church grow up to be everything it needs to be. Lord, you know that beyond sharpening a pencil, changing a life is really what you're all about. And that's what forgiveness does. And so, Lord, for someone here who needs to experience who you are, I pray that they would encounter you in an amazing way. Lord, we ask you to move in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.